and welcome to Avi's Conversational Corner, a podcast on history, culture, and politics in a broad perspective. I am your host, Avi Wolf. You can find this and other episodes like it on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and YouTube. And you can help support the podcast through Patreon. Welcome to Pop Goes the Culture, a new and for now experimental series that I've started to try and examine popular culture from a broad, uh, perhaps analytical perspective. Uh, but I hope not boring. The, go- the game is to understand this. What is the what is popular culture and what should it be? Is it a mix of all different kinds of cultures? Is it high, middle brow, and low, or something unique? Is it meant solely to entertain or edify? And how do we determine what good popular culture is and what it isn't? Is it solely based on sales, something else? We'll be examining these questions and more in this, uh, in this series. We are starting today uh, with an examination of video game music, which started with leaps and bloops and which to now includes orchestral uh, arrangements and even Grammy Awards. And with me to discuss the phenomenon is Oliver John. Oliver, welcome. Yeah, pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me on. So let's start with the real basics. Uh, how did How did this whole phenomenon of video game music even start? Why was there even, I thought to myself when I was preparing for this episode, why does one even need video game music? Because after all, there are all sorts of different kinds of games that one does without music. Uh, Yeah, well, it's almost a lot like the history of film, really, because if you look at like the very early films of silent movies, there was no sound, there was no sound effects, there was no music at all. And uh, the very earliest films were screened without any kind of accompaniment. And uh, so what you see on screen is, of course, it can be visually interesting, but um, it can get kind of stale without any kind of like sound or anything like accompanying it. So the early silent films, they had like orchestral uh, orchestras or like small ensembles to perform music as the stuff was going on on the screen. And so um, I think with video games, it was quite similar. So if we look at the very, very earliest video games, things like Pong and uh, Tennis for Two, um, yeah, what you see on screen, it's certainly fun. And maybe there'll be like a, a bleep or something to indicate like the ball had like contact with the paddle. But uh, that's pretty stale and that's not quite interesting. So um, especially with like the emergence of arcades and trying to get people to come and like play these machines, I think more companies wanted to have like something more visually and orally interesting to uh, attract players. So I think that's like uh, why video game music as a concept exists. So who exactly did they hire uh, to try and develop uh, sound and music? Uh, People from special effects areas or want to get the special effects on film? Uh, Musical composers or creators or a mix of the two? Um, well, yeah, it really like depended. Like, uh, so in Japan, for example, uh, where I live, uh, where obviously video games are huge, most people who ended up in the video game industry were people that couldn't actually make it in film or like the mainstream music industry or like the comic book industry or whatever. It was almost like the place where, like, you know, this is like the last place I wanted to be, but well, I'm here, so I might as well just make the most of it. And um, a lot of these people who like have like a background in music, they just composed music regularly. They were like given instructions of like how to make music to accompany what was on the screen. Um, but obviously, because that they're dealing with such like low uh, hardware, low hardware limitations, um, oftentimes there was somebody else entirely that would take that music and then reprogram it to like fit for the sound, like onto these machines. So you have to remember, like the sound was produced directly by like these uh, hardware chips there was no such thing as like pre-recorded music back in those days so um some composers did have like the technical talents to like uh put arrange it themselves and put it for like this lower hardware other times they just composed the music and then somebody else did that for them 
And how how exactly was it operating for for these composers and these creators to work under such uh, limiting conditions compared to what one could already do uh, in the in the air, in the world of film or in the world in the world of music in general? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So uh, some, for example, uh, so Dragon Quest is a very big series here. Uh, the composer, uh, Koichi Sugiyama, he already did music for film and television before he was hired by uh, Square Enix or Enix at the time uh, to compose the music. And he had always intended for that music to be performed in concert halls for there to be like a huge orchestra to do all of that. So um, he always, people like him composed the music like in mind. So eventually this will be re-recorded for like a CD release or for like a concert release. Um, whereas others, uh, so there's one uh, composer that I really like uh, Masashi Kageyama who did the soundtrack for a game called Gimmick it was like a late generation NES game and uh, the music for this game is really good it really pushes the NES to its utter limits but people like him are really dissatisfied with the limitations of the hardware so they only did like a couple video game projects and then um, they moved on to other things to either like the TV or for like the game world but then you have people like uh, Michael Giacchino who's obviously a huge composer for like MCU stuff and like Hollywood movies he actually started in video games when the technology was better so he basically used the lessons that he did for games like Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and he put, incorporated that for when he did bigger film scores. So um, it really depends on the person. Some wanted to stay and some just moved on. So we've covered uh, basically the, um, the the earlier period. When when would you say was the period or the, or the range of years in which video game music started to really break out of that early period of just leaps and bloops and pushing the limitations, but you can't go much further beyond? Because nowadays, uh, even like 10, 15 years ago, I remember uh, playing Diablo 2 and hearing music that's just outright Wagnerian and right. deliberately so. So clearly, so clearly something happened in the technical abilities of games mm -hmm. that made it possible to make it much more epic. So what happened and when did it happen? Right. Well, so here in Japan, this happened like much oh, before, oh, like many years before, like the rest of the world, because they were already playing music like Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy in concert halls. Um, they even got the London Philharmonic Symphony to do like uh, arranged music for Dragon Quest and have released those on CDs. So in Japan, that was always uh, reasonably popular enough for there to be uh, fans of that stuff. But in regards to like uh, the rest of the world of like breaking out, it was really that CD-ROM technology that allowed for like higher quality music to be played back. So when we get to the PlayStation era, um, um, the Sega Saturn era for like consoles, then you can have much higher quality music. You can have like full vocal themes. You can have like fully uh, recorded like live music incorporated into those games. And then of course with like pcs and as like you know sound cards got better then you also had more higher quality playback so it's really like towards like the mid to like late 1990s when those limitations were being uh removed that like the music had like a more fuller sounder experience so in terms of the musical experience um one of the interesting things i've learned uh and reading about other kinds of music from other eras uh, especially in the gilded age of people we're trying to debate what's the best kind of culture. Do you want the best form of classical music? Do you want uh, mm. popular band music? Do you want ragtime? Um, what is the, what was the, was there any kind of discussion or debate, uh, especially in Japan, where, as you noted, it was, it's very advanced, about what exactly is the purpose of this music, uh, uh, given the limitations? Is it exclusively to be like accompaniment to a, a movie? Or is it to be something like, Kind of like how film soundtracks nowadays stand on their own uh, mm. and can even be listened to even if you never see the movie in your life. 
Yeah, well, it really depends on the game, right? So, like, a lot of, so a good example is the very first Super Mario Brothers on NES, where, um, as you probably know, when the time limit, like, gets down to, like, under, like, 100 seconds, the music gets really quick, and, like, it really, like, paces up. So, like, that's supposed to be, like, an auto, like, a cue to, like, the player that, okay, you don't have much time to finish this stage, you really gotta, like, quick at the pace and get to the end. So, that's, like, an example that I think you can only see in video games and something that's, like, an interactive medium, where the music, like, gives you a specific message of what you have to do. Um, games like Zelda, for example have very famous sound cues where like when you find an item or like da 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 and things like that or like final fantasy like when you like level up stuff like that that like also like indicates you know what you've achieved in the game whether you found something you've leveled up so that's i think like video game music like really taking advantage of the interactive medium and given it's taking advantage of the uh, of the of the interactive medium um what um how, how did composers, was there any change in how video, video game composers saw themselves over the period from the early stage till today? Uh, or do they still see themselves as kind of, I guess, slumming it compared to, say, mm. film or, or other forms of culture? Um, I think that uh, in, in today's world, they're pretty much the same as film composers, because as you mentioned at the beginning, they've won Grammy Awards and like now the stuff has been performed like all across the world. So I don't really think that today there's that much of a stigma with video game music. But certainly in the very beginning, in like the 80s, it was more of a thing where like you didn't really want to like advertise it that much. Or if you did advertise it, it was really only towards people like in the industry who knew you. So um, there's a famous story of a Hideo Kojima, who's the uh, creator of Metal Gear Solid and uh, Death Stranding, where for the longest time, his mother didn't actually want to really say what her son's job was because <laughs> it was considered <laughs> embarrassing to say that you're in the video game industry so whenever like asked like what does your son do she said oh he's like in business or like he's like in economics or whatever but then it's only later on when he became like this huge like superstar that she could finally say oh yeah that's my son <laughs> so it's like uh, it really has changed over time of like what the perception of video game music is and also the perception of people who listen to video game music because i remember even just like uh, 10 15 years ago when i was in school where when i said that i listened to video game music i was kind of laughed at because it was viewed as not really like real music but right. like nowadays like i know those same people that like laughed at me they're listening to video game music now because it's considered to be way more accepted and and what do you think brought about that change uh given that already 10 15 years ago video game music was actually quite pretty developed and yet it was still lacked up what what happened uh, I mean, it's really just because I think even just in the last 10, 15 years, the industry just really expanded. It's gotten to more people's hands. Uh, everybody from, I think, your mother to your grandmother to like your uh, little brother really plays some form of video games. So even if they're just playing some kind of like mobile phone game, uh, mm -hmm. even if, like those games have some pretty epic soundtracks like uh, Clash of Clans or like... Uh, was the one ray shadow legends even like those games have like pretty like high quality soundtracks for like the that background stuff so it's not really considered like that weird to be into video games these days i know it is for like still some people and um i think especially like in our circles of the more like a uh, politically conservative like area some of them may be a bit more dismissive but even them i think it's like they're starting to get around to it get around to this stuff so i think it really has changed like in the last few years yeah that 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 you mentioned silent film. It also reminds me of uh, of various uh, musical genres uh, in the United in the United States, which I'm sure it's also happened in Japan. Where you start out, it's new. We're not so sure. Maybe some of the young mm -hmm. people like it, but we think it's weird. And eventually, it becomes so good that people talk about classical uh, ragtime or classical jazz right. or stuff like that. When back then it was revolutionary. So, um, I guess to end off. Where do you see uh, video game 
do you think video game music has entirely matured, or do you think that it yet has uh, new heights to conquer? And what are they? Um, actually, I kind of think video game music is like in a better place now than film music is because if we listen to like the classical music, like for example, look at the Star Wars movies, the original trilogy and even the prequels have way more memorable music than like the more recent Star Wars films have. That's because mm -hmm. those directors and like the people in charge of that stuff they understood the value of music. Whereas I think a lot of people in charge of film scores today or like directors or producers they're not really as musically inclined or they don't really seem to care as much. Whereas for like the video game industry, I think music is considered to be a very important aspect of the experience. Because, for example, if you play a 100-hour-plus RPG, you want to have something that's, like, you know, pleasant to listen to throughout all that time. And you want music that really enhances the experience. So um, I think that, like, uh, in ways that it could evolve, if, like, there's new gameplay mechanics and, like, the music can, like, accentuate that stuff or basically, like... Um, sort of like tell the player like what they need to do continuing like on the lines of that i think that could be like areas where like the industry can keep going but in terms of like the quality of the music and you know listen to on its own i think we achieved that like a long time ago and you have no shortage of options if you want to listen to good video game music and what is your uh what what are your favorite scores let me put you on the spot mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I have like a list. I won't go, <laughs> go through all of them, but I'll, I'll give you give a couple to your listeners. So um, Koichi Sugiyama, who is the composer of Dragon Quest, I think that even if you've never played a video game in your entire life, you could still like his music because he's been influenced by everything from like Wagner to like pop music to jazz. And uh, the anthem, the Dragon Quest uh, Overture, is one of the most famous pieces of music in Japan. They even played it at the Olympics uh, last time. So like that's how big of like a composer he is here. Um, similarly, along those lines, uh, Nobuo Uematsu with Final Fantasy and Chrono Trigger, um, any like JRPG, like that era of like gaming is actually uh, pretty good on its own. It's a uh, very pleasant to listen to. It's uh, definitely inspired by classical music, but um, it also has, I think, some its own like Japanese touch, right? Where it's like you listen to a piece of music, you can figure, yeah, this is, was made by like a Japanese composer. It seems to be of like that Super Nintendo era. Um, another good recommendation is uh, anything by Konami, so like the Castlevania Metal Gear soundtracks, like even on like the NES, I think it was really impressive what they were able to achieve. And um, if we're talking about uh, Western video game music, um, Jeremy Soule's work for The Elder Scrolls is, of course, masterful. It's like the Skyrim and the Oblivion. That music is very well regarded. And um, Austin Wintory, he won a Grammy for the music to Journey, and uh, that was also really good, really beautiful stuff. Oliver Ja, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and I have learned an incredible amount. I'd like to once again remind my listeners that you can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and YouTube, and you can support the podcast on Patreon. See you all next time at Avi's Conversational Corner. Mm -hmm.